Welcome to Fashion Your Seatbelt, your first class seat to one-on-one -on -one conversations with the fashion industry's top voices. I'm Jessica Michaud, and I created this podcast to share the joy I have in getting to know all the amazing people who bring this creative, inventive, and extraordinary business to life. You'll get to hear the cadence of their voices, the sound of their laughter, and feel firsthand how passionate they are about what they do. But before we get this show on the road, I want to say a quick thank you to GPS Radar for making this episode possible. GPS Radar is the members-only website where leading fashion brands and media connect. Also, I just want to remind you to leave a review. Stars are really trending right now, and it helps other very stylish listeners like yourself find the show. Now buckle up, and let's get started. Hi, everyone, and welcome to my latest Fashion Seatbelt podcast. Before we begin with my interview with the wonderful Gabriella Hurst, I just want to take a second to suggest that when you have finished this podcast, you go back and check out the one I did with Brian Phillips. He's the founder of Black Frame, and his insights into how he built and runs his PR business are very much worth a listen. And also, don't forget to leave a comment and let me know what you think about this podcast, and please feel free to suggest someone you would like me to interview in the future. Now, let's get cracking on Gabby. So 2018 was a pretty big year for Miss Gabriella Hurst. The self-taught designer who only launched her signature label three years ago was nominated for a CFDA Women's Wear Designer of the Year Award, just opened her first flagship store in New York, and debuted a permanent showroom in Paris. She's also currently on the track for becoming profitable by the end of this year. But Hearst is not an overnight success. She has years of experience in the fashion industry under her belt. However, it was her conscious decision to shift to only creating clothing using the best materials she could lay her hands on, to focus on versatile, timeless garments, and to design pieces with multitasking women in mind that made all the difference for her success. In an industry built on the idea of the accumulation of things, Hearst is finding her global success with a less but best philosophy. When we spoke, she had just signed her lease for her new flagship store in New York, and her nomination for her CFDA award was very much still fresh in her mind. But even though she had a lot of exciting news about her young company, it was when she spoke to me about the core message of her brand that I really felt I got a better and deeper understanding of this exceptional businesswoman. Gabby, thank you so much for doing this. Really appreciate it. Um, I guess the first thing I have to do is, you know, say congratulations to the CFDA and nomination. What was that like for you? Because there are only a handful of women who have been nominated for that award. We were very honored. The team and I were super excited and, and, and humbled too because to be last year we were nominated for emerging designer and now we're like with the big guys. <laughs> it was it was it's really thrilling. So we're super honored and and I I have a perspective that I like women designing for women. It's just uh, it makes sense. Mm -hmm. You know we know how our body changes through the month and all these things that. You know how our body feels and our psychology. I think I I I, I like exploring the women's psychology. So, well, talk a little. That was a, another one of my questions. So you completely jumped the boat, jumped the gun on that one. So, what? Tell me a little bit about that because I do believe, like you do, that women designers have a perspective that no man will ever have, and that's living the life and knowing what a woman needs. You have three kids. I have three kids. So when you talk about designing, because you're an autodidact, you learned on, on the go. How? What are you looking for? What are you? What do you? see that women need that maybe you would pick up on that somebody else might not well I do think that that um our woman it's a woman of action she's ready like she's working she has a family she has an uh, she has things to do she's always with a mission and so I'm making sure that her wardrobe and whatever I'm I am doing 
it's first of all has the best materials mm -hmm. and also I am make sure that I have enough materials that travel world world like my, my suit stayed on wrinkle mm -hmm. just a combination of the silk wool and how it's uh, weaved and so I want to make sure that she's at all times ready so this implies that she has her day wear taken care of her work wear taken care of her weekend wear and also cocktail dresses and there is those few events where she actually needs a, a gown or so like a wedding and mm -hmm. so we have those also in the collection so I'm always thinking of the things that are matter in her life and and I want to make sure that the touch mm -hmm. I always say to my team imagine that the lights go off on Bergdorf and they have to find our rack uh -huh. so our hand I want us to be known for our hand because I do believe that once we touch our cashmere it's like nothing feels softer or even our merino t-shirts like I think that changes your perspective and mm -hmm. how you feel and um mm -hmm. and life is not so bad mm -hmm. when you're wearing a nice cashmere sweater <laughs> everything looks better in nice cashmere <laughs> that's for sure I agree with that and then Other big news, you just signed a, a lease or an agreement for a new a store. Your first flagship, is that right, in New York? Yes, we are, we're, we're so excited. We just signed the lease and we always knew we wanted a, a, a physical space mm -hmm. for that same reason to showcase the whole breadth of, of what we do. And it's going to be also the first store that sells our handbags, the first physical store. Because that's interesting. One of the things that I read is that you don't wholesale the bags. They're no. only online through you. Is that right? Yeah. And they're not even online that you can go online right now and, and buy a bag. Mm -hmm. So you have to go online and put yourself in a waiting list. And it's quite democratic. If we have the bags in stock, we will ship it to you. Mm -hmm. If we um, don't have it because we're waiting from the factory to send it to us, we put you in a waiting list and mm -hmm. take deposits to know how much you want it and so okay and so how long is the waiting list now depending on the colors and some of them you know the patsy which is the new one that we launch um it's gonna be ready in like two months mm -hmm. so okay. depending on on the style the colors the materials some materials take longer time and they're all named after musicians or not really yes they're all named after women singers mm -hmm. except two The Demi, which is named after Demi Moore, because our first bag, Nina, Demi liked it very much and she wanted a smaller version. Mm -hmm. And then I have a tote, which is actually that one, which is named after Stuart Weavers. Ah. <laughs> so all the Weavers. <laughs> <laughs> Who, by the way, you know, full disclosure, both of us know very well and he's good friends with. Um, okay, so an another question I want to kind of on a side note here. I know that you had another fashion label before this one, um, but it was more boho, a little different perspective. What made you decide, okay, I'm going to put that away, I've learned from that, and then I'm going to kind of own this. It's your own name. It's not somebody else's name or invaded. That was a, that's a very decisive choice. Can you talk about that switchover in, in your mindset? Yes, when I launched Candela, it was in my mid-20s with $700. It was basically like my first, uh, I started it with um, a lot of passion mm -hmm. and but not a lot of budget so it was it had to be contemporary because those were the materials we could afford and I would say it was a, a modest success in the sense that I was able to pay my bills and live out of it so so it was very much a learning experience to me that and this was before the whole boom of Sarah's and the H&M's mm -hmm. and I remember having a, an office we had an office in Soho below Azara mm -hmm. and I was thinking man I, <laughs> this is gonna be a tough one mm -hmm. and the more I thought about it I started dreaming of doing a high-end collection because I wanted to work with the best materials 
in the world. And um, after my father passed away and I inherited the ranch, which is grass-fed, organic uh, cattle and, and sheep, and, and the quality of the product that we do there is so high. There was a discrepancy between what I was doing in New York mm-hmm. and my life where I came mm-hmm. from. And I just, you know, we were selling to department stores and, and they wanted cheaper and more and I had to lower the quality and I just couldn't do it. It was just like, it was breaking my passion. Mm-hmm. You know, I started dreaming it up for two years. At the beginning, it was going to be just a shoe brand. It was going to have my maiden name, Perzuti. And then it was like, but I can, I know how to do all this. And I really wanted to do tailoring. So we launched. And um, from that's where people are so surprised. It's only been three years. But they forget I have like over 10 years of doing, delivering, producing, mm-hmm. knowing how it works making mistakes mm-hmm. so i i knew very much what i wanted to do when we launched because mm-hmm. it's been a desire that it was um to go boiling. Hi- yeah yeah high end and yeah. the best of the best you're yeah. going to invest in a piece it's a lifetime commitment yeah. to it and it's like just too old to make product that i'm not proud of and like and there's so much crap in the world that i really want to put the best of what i can do and so i, I tell my team like i'm only interested in the best like all the meals all the all the fabric suppliers they don't even show me a polyester or something they're like okay you don't like this <laughs> we know that they don't they they I, it's just just i get so much joy from working with great craftsmanships and i believe that when you support quality you're supporting passion Mm because most of these business are Mm multi-generational so it's the family meal it's it's so it's they they do this craft Mm -hmm. and and so was that why you're like and because it's high-end because it really represents who i am that's why you said and this time i'm gonna call it i'm gonna name it after me yeah you can't hide. <laughs> when it's your name, you can't hide. And it's it's really, you, the standard gets that's pretty high. And mm-hmm. you just don't have any more time for amateur work. It has to be pro all the way. And so, I mean, when you're looking for such high quality across the board, um, have you come across new or, or locally sourced or smaller, you know, because I, I know that there is this kind of um, desire for your pieces because they kind of arrive when they're ready mm-hmm. and there isn't so much this fixation on seasons as much maybe as most have you discovered any uh new pieces or new fabrics or new things that are really exciting you right now yeah we i get very excited when i discover something that um like just blows my mind i want the the one that i that we're using quite a bit for spring and resort is like i soviati makes this which is a low linen mill um and it makes this aloe linen Mm -hmm. which is basically a linen that is treated with aloe vera so it moisturizes your skin and I was just surprised nobody else was using it because it had it doesn't wrinkle as much and then it's not itchy where in America Europe is very used to using linen and Mm -hmm. it's something they don't mind but in America they want everything soft so this had a great hand Mm. and then it also moisturizes your skin so I did pajamas I did like everything in it and um and I, I wanted to do sheets for my, my home, <laughs> but the seam couldn't, it was just not happening. But it was that, that I meant I, that fabric, and it was, and it had done really successfully because I have this idea of like, oh, I would like this, but then I need to know mm-hmm. if it retails and it performs, and it's been performing really well. And linen is a much more um, whole fiber, let's say, than cotton because it takes less water. Mm. And also, the grain of linen is used for, for, for flaxseed, mm-hmm. it's used for, for nutritional purposes. So, I, I like. I like the use of linen and uh, I also like this historical fact that 
in Roman times, Europe was dressed with three materials, wool, linen, and leather. So they've been working for a while. I think they'll work for the future. I think that's a very smart answer. Um, okay, so nomination for the CFDA, brand new store. This year's your third year for this brand, and you are in the black with sales more than $10 million, is this yeah. year? Is that right? Yeah. No, last year. Last year. Yeah. So... This year is going to be more than <laughs> <laughs> Knock on wood. It's going to be even more. Yeah. Um, how are you feeling right now? I mean, what is, are you able to absorb it and take it all in? Every time something wonderful happens, uh, when we won the Walmart or this nomination for the CFDA or also Pratt just nominated us for the Visionary Award exactly. of the Year. So it's, it's this kind of thing I, I take 24 hours to like enjoy it and like feel great about myself and yeah, and the whole team and we celebrate and mm-hmm. then like the next day it's like, let's move on. Okay. Like on to the next. I think that these um, my dedication to to my work and I and I have this incredible opportunity that I'm so grateful to be able to communicate and 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 manifest the vision of what I I I find beautiful, interesting. I would like women to wear. Mm-hmm. I, I take this so serious seriously in a way mm-hmm. with so much love that it's just like. That's all. That's all the reward. Mm-hmm. Just seeing the woman on the street wearing your pieces. Yeah, and people telling me I love your clothes, and having clients, and I've gone to stores um, where I've seen a client, for example, that she was in a wheelchair and she loves wearing our knits because they're so soft and they make her feel so happy. And, mm-hmm. and uh, that, I mean, nothing beats having a happy client to me. Mm-hmm. Nothing. It just really is such a thrill that that things that you are passionate by and desire. Because let's face it, none of what. I do, it's actual need, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a desire. Mm-hmm. And to so have that, and then plus everything else that I'm trying to communicate of creating a product that's conscious, that, that I really, you know, and it's a daily exercise to make sure that you have a choice of what's first, the, the product or the environment. Mm-hmm. You know, for example, like even this weekend, we were working in, on, on shoes in New York and they wanted to, we brought a new person um, to work on the Italian, to work on the shoe process. And of course, with the best of the intentions, she says, I want to change the leather of the of the lining of the shoes mm-hmm. to something that, you know, when you see the shoe is much more, um, it doesn't get dirty mm-hmm. or doesn't change so much. Because mm-hmm. I, I use a veg, a veg tan for lining. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, but we're going to put a lining that uh, for the shoes that actually has chrome, which is bad for the environment. Yeah. So if... I'm sorry if the customer is going to have to learn that it's better to not have a pristine, mm-hmm. clean, always, which is not real life. Things mm-hmm. are not perfect like that all the time. Life is not perfect. Exactly. And to have a, a lining of a shoe that it's actual real with batch tan that, you know, so those small choices that you think, oh, it's just a lining of the shoe. Mm-hmm. It's not just a lining of the shoe. So it's a daily exercise of thinking what's best. And, you know, we'll have to explain the customer. So far, nobody has complained about mm-hmm. it. But it's those things that are like, you know, mm-hmm. better put a disclaimer. But, you know. <laughs> but I mean, so then talk. let's talk about that. How are you uh, communicating to the customer? Because we talk about, you know, talk about a lot of different brands um, moving away from the classic type of marketing, moving into connecting with ambassadors for the brand or influencers for the brand or just working on socials. How are you reaching your consumer and your customer now in this digital age? Well, we have a, a, our, obviously our social media and um, which, you know, we're just developing. I don't know if we're the most savviest of them. And I don't know how much savvy do we want to get out of it. Um, but I do think that um, 
we don't communicate as much for everything we do. We do put disclaimers in the clothes. For example, this jacket um, has a lining that it protects you from cellular radiation. We do them in all our jackets. It's a lining that's actually made in silver, so it's technically a silver lining. Silver lining. That's a nice PR twist. And also, so it's lined in silver for the idea, like, so that your your phone won't, like... Yeah, for the radiation of your phone. To uh, stop x-rays of pregnant women, between the time they found out... With mm-hmm. 100%, very few times you have research that's 100% proven that it's a negative effect. Yeah. To the time it was changed, it took over 25 years. Really? In the time it was discovered that it was bad for... So right now, there's not a lot. It's too too early. Yeah, I mean, years. I sleep with my phone. I mean, you no, know, next to it, yeah. No, don't. Just don't. Like right now, okay. don't sleep with your All right, phone. now you're scaring me. Okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, this, so the lining inside your pockets... Yeah. You don't see it because this is the lining that has the the the, the for, to match the color. But inside, there's a second lining that you can actually touch. If oh, you yeah. see, there's another one. Yeah, there's yeah. double lined pockets and yeah. a double lined suit. Yeah. So that pocket in the pocket, just mm-hmm. in the pocket where you put your cell phone, it has that silver to protect. Yeah. yeah. Wow, that is very thoughtful. Worst case scenario, nothing yeah. happened. Yeah. Best case scenario, we did something good for our client. Okay. Um, can you talk about uh, growing up and teaching yourself this business because it's it's design it's running a business it's all of that i mean you didn't have any professional training how did that come about a little can you talk about that well there was no design school in uruguay Mm -hmm. and i've always sketched all my life and i went to communication school which was the closest thing but always had a love for craft and for for garments and you know making clothes with a seamstress my family always used to do that and, and I think that that was where my true love of clothing started mm-hmm. and since a little kid and but you know I used to feel a bit bad about not having the training because it does take you a long time to to teach yourself but mm-hmm. then every designer that I admire <laughs> hasn't had the, the training oh really yeah like okay Caparelli. Um, so I do think um, that being self-taught sometimes is a longer route, and I highly recommend everybody going to school. I'm not saying you shouldn't go to, to training school, um, but if you didn't have the chance like I did, I think that it just takes a while to be able to communicate your skills, but it pushes you creatively of how to communicate. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes I have to use... Uh, my whole body to explain an emotion mm-hmm. or a shape that I want to and then I, I sketch it and then I like talk about it so you really full on okay it total commitment a, total Every- commitment <laughs> it, takes, it takes a lot of communication um, talking about total commitment I was kind of going over researching you before we did this interview and they're just Across the board, there seems this uh, this fundamental thing about what you do, which is this empowering of women. You you empower them in your collections. You empower them in the in um, the the inspiration for your collections, but also and then and also the the way you use your collections sometimes for charity charity events that that are helping women in different different areas. Is that an underlying fundamental part of why you do this brand? Yes, in a, in a way, it's it's amazing that we have this platform. I have two belief systems. Uh, first, talking about women, I mean, I love women. I feel like I I am always amazed. And no matter where in the world, when I was in Turkana last year checking the drought, which is horrible of what's going in Africa, and it wasn't getting in the news cycle with mm-hmm. 20 million people and the risk of famine is awful. Just, just a few weeks ago, not even a month, the New York Times did an article, but it's been horrible. I mean, what I saw was life-changing. And these women, not only they dig for water 
and host and walk hours and take care of the children, build their own houses. I mean, what women can do mm-hmm. is remarkable. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're, we're definitely creators and mm-hmm. giving and, and caring. Um, and, and so I'm very proud that, that I'm able to work with fantastic women and do, and do things for, for them. And then in, in the other part, I feel that we are much more interconnected than we are aware so I feel that it's I have a sense of duty to do service for other people. Mm-hmm. I think it's kind of working on my karma if you want to, to mm-hmm. talk about it. Yeah. But I do think that that there here we have a platform that not only were we able to do a significant monetary donation by what we did, mm-hmm. but which is you know but for what it's needed is a it's a drop in the bucket. But we also are able to bring awareness to a subject that matters mm-hmm. to us and it matters to the world. And I think climate change is the number one thing that is causing mm-hmm. me concern. Mm-hmm. As I come from this culture where you have to leave your children better off that we started, mm-hmm. we started, and I don't think we're doing that for the next generation. And I am concerned about the people that have the least because like the women that I, I met in Africa, they the people that have the least are the ones that are suffering the impact from climate change first. Mm-hmm. They lost all their livestock. I mean... It, it, it is really tough because we live in this, you know, bubble, bubble, pre-made world. But mm-hmm. you know, it, it will affect all of us eventually. Yeah. yeah, if we don't. And, but first, starts with those who have least. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you saw what hurricane season did this past year. Yeah, I mean, just the weather change alone. And be, and one of the things that you did to help support them, you did a was it a, a partnership with Net-a-Porte? And yeah, like, we've used we've used basically. I was like, what do I have? I went to Kenya. I was like, I have to do something. Mm-hmm. I said, what do I have that can draw attention? I'm like my handbags. And so we called up Net-a-Porte. We called up Bergdorf and said, you can have. The handbags for a week, mm-hmm. but we gotta do a lot of marketing. We have to talk about this, mm-hmm. and so you know they 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 took a risk and it was a success. We made the money, in, but we I signed actually a <laughs> commitment. My husband was like, "So you think you should just have asked me before you signing six hundred thousand dollars?" My head of sales was like, "Are you sure?" I'm like that's the money they need. That's the money we're gonna get. Like mm-hmm. that. And you met that target with the bags. Yeah, yeah, we did. Wow. Yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty um, extraordinary. It was Amazing. something we were very proud, and right. the whole team worked towards it. And I went to Bergdorf to talk to the team and explain them. And all the salespeople were very willing. Like mm-hmm. the girls from other brands were pushing to sell our product because they knew they were doing something. Is before. that something you then you want to continue that kind of pro- idea in the future? Yeah, I've always worked every year. I have a project with Save the Children. Okay. And I always work with Manos de Uruguay. So. I believe that whatever spotlight you have, mm-hmm. small, wide, or narrow, mm-hmm. you should use it to illuminate people that don't have it. Mm-hmm. You've got a lot going on right now in your company. Name recognition, you know, all of this is coming up at the same time, a new store, great sales, the award, et cetera, et cetera. How are you balancing expanding the company, expanding the brand, that growth, and not being oversaturated or, you know, like almost not becoming a household name, becoming kind of one of those stealth brands that only certain people know about. I mean, how are you growing and yet re- retaining that sense of exclusivity because this brand is very exclusive at the end of the day? It's it's a balancing act. I mean, it's something that we consciously think about all the time. We have a very, the growth comes from a very controlled growth. Mm-hmm. Um, we triple our sales, but we have only 6% more customers. Okay. Which is not a lot. So mm-hmm. it means that our 
we are deepened with the customers that we have. So mm-hmm. it's we install instead of spreading ourselves too thin, we, mm-hmm. we find the right partners and we work with them and mm-hmm. we work with them and we work together and we grow the business together. So it's selective in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're opening our own store and we have a, a, a you know a significant direct to consumer business mm-hmm. um, with the handbags and our online that it's growing amazingly but I guess everybody's online is growing <laughs> so it's it's just it's just that idea of like really from that's from the sales perspective mm-hmm. and then from the image you know we don't follow trends so I don't have that obligation to be you know having to go to every party or having to do those things and at the same time it's not realistic for my life which Mm -hmm. I have three kids Mm -hmm. so I work very very hard during the day and then you know I go home for dinner and that's my life yeah like it's not very exotic that's (laughs) what it is and so I I the type of product we we do we don't need to be um we we can't have to stay on our route in a bit like lukewarm not too hot not too cold just Mm -hmm. in a little bit separated from Chugging along straight. Yes, yeah. but it's it's a, it's a mindful act. You know, you have to like choose. And because of my life, I and and because I'm a mom, there's a lot of things that I have to say no to. And mm-hmm. um, and then there's things that we say yes. We commit all the way. Mm-hmm. So it's about being selecting and understanding your brand. Um, I have six more questions, and the last five are super fast. Um, just going back to when you were younger, I always like to ask this kind of question of when did you first connect with fashion or when did you first discover the power that fashion can have on someone or transformative power? Well, very specific because I remember that moment exactly. I was like around six years old and I watched Cinderella from Walt Disney and when it got transformed, the dress, the animals transformed her, I was like mesmerized with that concept and I raided my grandmother's closet because I lived with my grandmother and my mom and and she had these lace um, silk gowns there were silk uh, sleeping gowns mm-hmm. and uh, were silk and lace and it was handmade lace. And <gasps> What I did just, you do? I started cutting them to make a dress. Oh, no. <laughs> and you know what? It was kind of fabulous was that my grandmother didn't get pissed off. <laughs> she was like, she thought it was really funny. Mm. I wanted to make Cinderella's dress and I grabbed a pair of scissors and I started like, you know, making a mess. Mm-hmm. Um, but I understood how clothes could change you and make you feel different. And it was just, it was a specific moment as a child. Yeah. Okay, so now it's time for the same five questions I ask everybody I interview. It's the five generic fashion questions. Okay, so the first one is, what is your most, personally, what is your most cherished piece of clothing? My most cherished piece of clothing is, I have Madame Grace's dresses and a Charles James coat that they used to be from my mother-in-law. Mm. She used to be a huge patron of, of Charles James and uh, Madame Grey. And then Lauren Hatton gave me two Madame Grey dresses that were custom made to her because she's a friend. And she's like, oh, I'm not going to use this anymore here. Um, that she actually had them. They're part of like fashion history because she had... Uh, uh, Dick Avalon go with her because they were shooting the Revlon campaigns to mm-hmm. Madame Grey and they custom made the dresses so it was like yeah it was pretty extraordinary and she's like I'm not using this anymore you can have them I was like are you serious so of course they are very precious but from the things I've done I have the first t-shirt that um, I still screen with an image of my mom in a horse mm-hmm. um, that's from the Candela launch I still have the pieces and I have the archives of our clothing and and you know, there's clothing that tells part of my history, so I feel very fond of them. Mm-hmm. That's a very good answer. 
what is the one piece? So you have a lot of amazing pieces in your collection, but what is the one piece of clothing that every woman should really invest in? Like, do they they if they don't have a lot of money, if there's that one piece that you really want to put the extra you know cash on the table for? I think a, a beautiful coat. Mm. I think a beautiful coat is a is a great investment. Um, they have great material with good lines that will have you can have it for the rest of your life because it it, it just upgrades the whole. Agreed. Yeah. Upper, yeah. Great it's coat. Helped. It yeah. doesn't matter what you're wearing underneath. Yeah. Um, okay. So what? Who is your favorite designer, living or dead? Elsa Scaparelli. Mm. By, by I mean, she worked with Salvador Lali, Giacometti. I mean, she's. By far, my, my favorite design. That's so interesting. She, she's such a surrealist as far as her designs, and she's so quirky, and yet your your aesthetic is, is so much more reserved to a certain extent. I mean, you did have that newspaper print. Yes. <laughs> I, I, um, I, I, I mean, I admire her, her talent. And, you know, I, I think designers need to talk to different eras of what's going on, and I think I talk to, to what I think women want right now or, or some women want um, but I think what else is covered even her first collection was designed it was a knitwear collection mm-hmm. and it was designed by Armenian refugees so she had this um, she has this very human aspect of her and mm-hmm. yeah. that you can relate to yeah mm-hmm. okay I think I, let's see what you say to this I'm curious um, what trend will you never follow definitely Capri pants with platforms it's like a no <laughs> Sure that is super specific. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, okay. And then uh, last question, what do you love most about fashion? I I like people. I like people. I like working with my, you know, the people that do the shoes in Italy and outside of Venice. I like the the people that make our handbags outside of Florence, the people that that, that make our clothes outside of Milan. I think people. I definitely like people. Mm. That's a wonderful answer. Thank you so much, Gabe. Really appreciate oh, it. Thank you. Really thank pleasure. You. It was fun. It was yeah. Smart questions. So oh, thank you. So, so <laughs> nice to have smart questions. It doesn't happen that often. Don't want to miss an episode of Fashion Your Seatbelt? No problem. Just go to iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts and click on the subscribe button. Then every new episode will drop into your feed automatically. No fuss, no muss. Fashion Your Seatbelt is made possible thanks to the wonderful people at Launchmetrics, the software company that is powering the fashion industry, and GPS Radar, the members-only website where leading fashion brands and media connect in style. I am a member of GPS Radar, and I can tell you, as a journalist, it has made my work life run much more smoothly. Believe me, I know. I'm Jessica Michaud.